In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion, God proclaimed through the prophet Zechariah. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem, behold, thy king cometh unto thee. He is just in having salvation, lowly in riding upon an ass, and upon the colt, the foal of an ass. As the Roman governor Pontius Pilate looked out the window of his palace at the commotion, it must have amused him. To him, emperors and kings entered cities triumphantly, pulled in their elaborate chariots by teams of horses, the instruments of war. He wouldn't have given a fig about Zechariah's prophecy, even if he was the type of man to concern himself with the faith of the people which he governed, and he mostly certainly did not. The symbolism was lost on him and his Roman occupiers. Pilate would soon face this different kind of king, bemused by the Judean leadership's fear and anxiety. Most likely, there must have been a certain amount of delight that they were so fear fearful of the power of Rome that they would seek this man's life to ensure Rome's indifference. But the people of Jerusalem, too, misinterpreted what they were seeing. They were aware of the prophecy, just as they were familiar with their own history, that King Solomon rode to his coronation on a mule, the same one that his father David rode into battle. They awaited a Messiah to come and deliver them from their oppressors to restore Israel to its former glory. They lined the streets, laid palm branches and their own garments on the road for the Messiah to pass over, their promised king and deliverer, just as they had once been delivered from captivity at that first Passover, which they were preparing to commemorate. But the same people who cheered, crying out, Hosanna to the son of David, Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord, Hosanna in the highest, would in a few short days be the ones crying, Crucify him, crucify him. The same street that he rode in, astride a donkey, would be the same street which he would walk back out on, carrying a cross. The street strewn with palms would be soon smeared with his blood. The triumph of Palm Sunday is always bittersweet, as it leads inevitably to Christ's passion. As it did in reality, so too in our liturgy. We process in, carrying our palm fronds, knowing what is about to happen, just as Jesus, who knew that entering Jerusalem, had sealed his fate, along with that of not only Jerusalem, but all of humanity. God had withdrawn his presence from the temple. It stood now only as an empty symbol, a sacrament no longer. Forevermore, Christ would be the sole door through which God could be sought and communed with. Palm Sunday does not stand in isolation. Its meaning and interpretation can only be approached through the cross of Christ, the cross which stands at the center of all things, all things which were, are, and ever will be, all things which acquire their true worth, value, and meaning, do so inasmuch as they are derived through the cross. A thing is only real as much as it bears resemblance to the one who is crucified on the cross. But even the cross does not, stand, does not exist in isolation. The cross only takes on its full meaning in relationship with the resurrection, just as Christmas relates to Easter, the New Testament to the Old, and God the Father with the Son and Holy Ghost. The whole story exists to make sense of the parts. Just the parts make sense of the whole.
As we reflect on the recounting of Jesus' passion, his suffering, torture, and eventual death on Good Friday, his resurrection on Easter, look down at the palms in your hands and remember those hands long ago that waved palms as Jesus passed by. That is one popular way to enter into the story of Christ, imagining yourself present at the events of Christ's life. But there is another way, a true way, because the truth of the matter is that you were present at his crucifixion. We must always remind ourselves that because Jesus died for the sins of all mankind, that it also means that he died for my sins too. Even harder is to remind ourselves that not only did he die for my sins, but he also died because of my sins. That realization is a first step, ensuring that they, our sins, die on the cross. My sins, your sins, our sins, all nailed Jesus to the cross. Sin is the human embrace of oblivion, for sin is the rejection of life itself and the embrace of death. Rejecting God and succumbing to sin means rejecting he who is life itself. Death, sin, oblivion. These things are empty and void of meaning and power because they are the absence of meaning and power. In our sin, we corrupt what is good and right by seeking a path to them without God, succumbing to temptation. We grant sin power over us because we provide oblivion with meaning. We succumb to the void, and the only way for Jesus to rescue us is to enter into the void, dying for us, filling it with his presence, and pulling humanity from its clutches. Because we are baptized into Christ's death on the cross, rising with him in his resurrection, our sins are left nailed to the cross while we are born again into newness of life. But just as Christ bore the wounds of his crucifixion in his resurrected body, we too bear the scars of our sins. Sometimes the urge to pick at the scab becomes too much to bear. Like the idiot in a horror movie, we see the enemy seemingly dead and defeated and go back to make sure, only to be pursued all over again. That is why the church narrates the story over and over again, year after year, is why we carry our palms, process around the parish, and enter into Holy Week again. We are living the story of Christ's advent, birth, ministry, crucifixion, and resurrection in our lives. With Holy Scripture, that reality is narrated by God himself, author of us all, giving our stories meaning through our incorporation into Christ. We are incorporated into Christ through baptism, dying with him, and rising with him in his resurrection, our sins left buried in the tomb. And in this new life, he feeds us with himself in the Eucharist, sustaining us, strengthening us, healing us, giving all of himself, his divinity, and his sacred humanity. So as we enter into his story once again, take time to reflect on not only your own need for Christ's sacrifice on the cross, but how you'll rise again with him, not just at Easter, but every day, every moment. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, thy king cometh unto thee. He is just and having salvation, lowly and riding upon an ass and upon a colt, the foal of an ass. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost.